Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. This music is, uh, this music is on point tonight, man. Oh, my God. We got the trumpets going. We got the trumpets going downstairs, man. Welcome to my mother's basement. The coolest place in the IWC, man. We don't make fun of our mother's basement here. Come on, now. Why would we make fun? Why would we make fun of our mother's basement, man? We, we love our mothers. We love their basements, man. We always had a great time in the basement. Always. You know who doesn't love his mother? Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne does not love his mother, man. He watched his mother tonight get shoved by Christian Cage and watched her almost take a concerto. I don't know. Maybe Nick Wayne's a scumbag, man. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, man. I don't know where Jesse is. I tried calling him. I'm like, bro, you're going to be on the show tonight. He tells me no. I'm not going to be on the show tonight. I'm at Dynamite. I'm like, oh, all right. You're playing into the trolls, man. They don't want you on the show, and then the following week, you're not here. Come on, man. I guess you're living the gimmick, huh? Uh, who's in the kitchen? I don't know who's in the kitchen, man. The kitchen may be fucking burning down. But I'll tell you what is on the menu tonight, man, because we are in the spirit of Thanksgiving. Get the eggnog out, man. Spike it with whatever you want. I like a good eggnog with a nice spice rum. Give me a triple shot in there, man. Or who's making the coquito, huh? Do we got any good coquito makers in the house? I'm going to need some solid, some solid coquito this uh, Thanksgiving season, okay? If anybody wants to get on that, uh, my DMs are open, okay? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk AEW Dynamite tonight, the Continental Classic. As always, welcome to my mother's basement. Pull up a chair. Enjoy the show. Make sure you guys get those memberships in because if you're not a member, you're not sitting down here with me, man. If you're not a member, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Seriously. Also, that uh, Tony's Cola Old Fashioned, right up my alley, man. Order yourself one of those and I'll see you guys upstairs. Oh my goodness. Yeah, man. Got the big band playing downstairs, man. I didn't really who ordered them, man. I didn't uh hopefully they came at a good cost. You know, we we have to keep uh within the budget here, you know? 
Maybe it was the Jesse idea, man. I don't know. I got to see what's going on. JD, can I review with Denise? Absolutely not, man. Hell would have to freeze over for that to happen. No, thank you. Fuck out of here. You think I'm really that giving? Get out of here, man. Um, Dynamite. Let's talk about uh, Dynamite tonight, man. I thought, in all seriousness, all joking aside, Dynamite tonight was a fantastic show. And I'm serious about the Coquito, by the way. Any good Coquito makers out there? Seriously. Get in my DMs. Uh, Dynamite. I thought it was an excellent show. I thought it was one of the best Dynamites of the entire year, man. Right back to what AEW is usually just great at, professional wrestling, right? Story. You give me some story, you give me some great professional wrestling, man, my mouth is zipped, my mouth is shut. You're not going to hear a fucking complaint out of me. Not at all. I thought tonight was a very, very, very good show following what I thought was an excellent full gear pay-per-view and we are going to dive into the Continental Classic. We got the 12 men announced. We're going to go over both blocks, the gold and the blue block. And we're going to go over. There was an article that was almost immediately released upon the stream with Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone earlier today. As soon as that concluded, Wade Keller of the PW Torch put up an editorial piece on the Continental Classic, and he was already kind of shitting on it before we even got to Dynamite tonight. So we're going to go over that. We're going to dissect what Wade Keller had to say because I think it's a load of shit, and it's going to be a good time tonight here for the Dynamite post-show. Thank you guys very much for joining me on your Wednesday evenings, wherever you may be. It is November 22nd, 2023, Happy Thanksgiving to all you guys, wherever you are, or if you are traveling tomorrow, get there safely. Enjoy the day tomorrow. Uh, I am going to be keeping it as simple as possible for tomorrow, and uh, I will be with my mother this uh, this weekend, right before Survivor Series on Friday. So uh, I'll keep you guys posted on that. There probably will not be a SmackDown post-show tomorrow, uh, or Friday, rather, on Friday night. So I will keep you guys posted on the socials, so keep an eye out for that. We might as well jump right into it, man. The Continental Classic. I thought the Continental Classic, when announced, I was excited about it. I was over the moon about it. I, I love a good tournament. Now, let me preface this by saying I do think Tony Khan does too many tournaments. I think too many tournaments is a bad thing. That's just my point of view. I don't know how you... Let me... Let me. This, this camera is bothering me. Let me fix this, please. There you go. Seemed like it was off-center. Too many tournaments is a bad thing. I don't like that he does too many tournaments. The Owen Hart Cup, I, I don't know if it's going to be a yearly thing. I feel like it's kind of lost its luster. I, I mean, I don't really care about it. The winner really doesn't get anything. It's just in memory of Owen. That's fine. We all love Owen. This is the type of tournament that needs to be built as the biggest event on AEW television all year. I'm not talking about pay-per-views. I'm not talking about anything. This is the biggest event that AEW, this, this tournament, it should be the biggest event built on their television show on a yearly basis. I have been asking WWE for years. I've been pleading on this show for years for the powers that be in WWE to take what we're doing here with the Continental Classic 
and basically do this with the king of the ring. Imagine that. Imagine a WWE tournament like this, king of the ring, building over the entire month, and the winner gets a title shot at SummerSlam. It's exactly what I've been asking for, man. Since my very early days as a content creator in the wrestling space, I've been asking for WWE to do that. Tony Khan has given us, fans, this tremendous tournament. And it is off to a rocking start. And I can't wait to see how this thing plays out. Now, I have to say, I did watch the stream earlier. And I thought what they did tonight, or uh, today rather, leading into tonight, Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone did an absolutely fantastic job at building the tournament. They announced all 12 men. They announced the blue block and the gold block. They gave you a video package. They gave you a reason why. They gave you an explanation for all the people that were in the tournament. You can't ask for anything more. We asked for that. Tony Khan gave us that. Was it as... You were anticipating they probably could have elaborated with some in-person, on-the-stream live reasons, whatever. They gave you a video package. They prettied it up. They gave you a reason why behind everybody was chosen. Can't ask for anything better. I thought they did a stellar job there. Now, the blue block is as follows. Brian Danielson was the first name announced in the tournament. Claudio Castagnoli. So two members of the Blackpool Combat Club in the blue block. Brian and Claudio will eventually meet in the tournament. We're going to go over potential matchups in a little bit. Brody King of the House of Black was announced. Now, I see a lot of people online already. Oh, um, why, why was it ma- 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 Malachi in the tournament? We don't really know. Malachi is potentially dealing with an injury. I don't know. I wish I could give you a reason. I lobbied for Buddy Matthews to be in the fucking tournament. It's the type of tournament that uh, Buddy Matthews is built for, honestly. But we got Brody King. And the reason why we got Brody King is because Tony Khan wanted to showcase different styles, different physiques in this tournament. Brody King is a fucking savage. He's going to go in there and beat the shit out of you. It's the type of guy I want in the fucking tournament. I'm not going to complain that he's there. He's also a big guy that flies around like a fucking luchador. So, again, I'm not going to complain when he's in the same block as Andrade, as Eddie Kingston, as Claudio, and Brian Danielson. Not going to complain. Andrade El Idolo is in the blue block. Daniel Garcia is in the blue block, taking nothing away from Daniel Garcia because he's a fantastic professional wrestler. I was hoping for somebody else instead of a Daniel Garcia. Again, I mean no disrespect toward Daniel Garcia's entry into the tournament, but I'm going to be honest with you. The gimmick, the whole dancing, the whole sports entertainment thing doesn't really lend to his overall presentation. I honestly feel like putting somebody like that with the gimmick that he has in this tournament, though he's a fantastic pro wrestler, I hope, I hope, I'm not going to jump down the throat of creative yet with putting Daniel Garcia in the tournament. But what I hope is that through this tournament, 
This is one of the many storylines that we get in the tournament, that he slowly sheds this gimmick and finds who he is in the end. And in the end, I'd have him join the Blackpool Combat Club in this fucking tournament, to be quite honest with you, because that's where it was going the first time we did this, and now we're back to it, and I think this is the type of tournament that he can really break out in. But at first glance, when he was announced, I kind of, I kind of moaned and groaned. I rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Couldn't find anybody else. And the reason why I say that is because obviously omitted from this tournament are Kenny Omega, Kanosuke Takeshita, who I think should have been in the tournament. I mean, that would have been great for the overall appeal of the Don Callis family for Takeshita to be in this tournament. That's just the way I was thinking. But Daniel Garcia is in there, and I hope what I said is the story or one of the stories in this tournament with him shedding this gimmick and moving on to be the pro wrestler that we all know he is. And then Eddie Kingston, who holds the Ring of Honor World Championship and the Never Openweight Championship, he is putting everything in the pot. He's in this tournament, and the winner of this tournament will consolidate, fuse the Ring of Honor and never open weight championships into one, and it will be the new AEW Continental Classic. I'll get to that in a little bit. So the blue block is very impressive. Very impressive. We got Brian Danielson and Claudio, a potential match. Brian Danielson and Brody King as a potential match. I fear for Brian's life in that match because the man has had very, very bad luck with injuries as of late. We could get Claudio versus Brody, Claudio versus Andrade, Claudio versus Eddie Kingston again, Brian versus Andrade again, Daniel Garcia versus Andrade, Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson again, Garcia versus Brody. Tons of fun in that blue block. So I'm very pleased with what they did there. The gold block is probably the best block in the tournament. We got John Moxley. So all three members minus Yuta of the Blackpool Combat Club are in the tournament. And when you think best of AEW, you got to think the Blackpool Combat Club. Swerve Strickland is in the tournament. And Tony Khan even said no one is hotter than Swerve right now. He automatically basically gained entry into the tournament with what he did against Hangman at Full Gear. So I'm glad that he is there because this tournament serves him very well, and could potentially be his entire tournament. He could realistically walk out with the AEW Continental Championship. Roosh. I'm so glad Roosh is in this thing. So glad Roosh is in this thing. Roosh is in the tournament, and I'm finally glad to see him on weekly television, getting his flowers, and everybody gets to see how good he really is. Mark Briscoe. Absolutely no problem with Mark Briscoe in the tournament. He had a great match with Jon Moxley tonight. Jay Lethal is in the tournament. That's another one that I like, but I honestly feel Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe are going to be two guys in their block that, again, I mean no disrespect, they're more than likely there to take losses and build everybody else up around them because John Moxley, Swerve, Roosh, and Jay White in the tournament, in the gold block, that's some pretty hefty competition. Jay Lethal, it's also going to be great to see Jay Lethal away from Jeff Jarrett and all the smoke and mirrors and all the carny bullshit because the rules of the tournament are there are no outside interference. No outside interference allowed. Nobody's allowed at ringside. 
It's one-on-one, and that is it. Love it. And then Jay White's in the tournament. Jay White did just lose to MJF. He's in the tournament. I mean, you could question that, but Jay White is one of the world's best professional wrestlers, so he is in the tournament. Now, I've seen some people complaining about Kenny Omega not being in the tournament. Kenny Omega was an obvious omission here, but a lot of people don't really understand because you don't watch television. You don't watch AEW television. Kenny Omega is the number one contender for the AEW Tag Team Championships. He's tag team partners now with Chris Jericho. I didn't ask for it. You didn't ask for it. This tournament is built for someone like Kenny Omega. But that's just the way of television right now. He's the number one contender with Chris Jericho for the AEW Tag Team titles. So how's he going to be in this tournament while also chasing the Tag Team Championships at the same time? Can't do it. Can't do it. Another complaint that I saw was, where are the other promotions in this tournament? Tony Khan didn't say this was open to New Japan. It may be open to New Japan next year or the following year. This is going to be an annual thing for AEW, but to get the tournament off the ground, it should absolutely be AEW invite only. Who's to say that it won't feature Ring of Honor stars next year? Or New Japan stars right now. Is anybody even on Ring of Honor television that is worthy enough to be in the tournament? Eddie Kingston's the only one because he's holding the championship. Mark Briscoe is a Ring of Honor talent, I believe, right? It's all one and the same anyway. Where's Ring of Honor? Ring of Honor is AEW. It's all under the same umbrella, so I don't really understand the logic of people there. Other promotions may be allowed in the following years. Right now, they're looking to get it off the ground with just AEW talent. I don't really mind that. It's just AEW. I love it. Now, the only problem that I have with the tournament, the only problem I have with the tournament, is the fact that Tony Khan has not laid down the law about categorizing the importance of his championships. Let's look at the men's championships in this company. We got the AW World Champion, MJF. We got the TNT champion, Christian Cage. Two championships right now that are fucking killing it on television. Christian took the TNT title and said, you know what? Fuck the open challenges. I mean, that's not what we're here for. He's legitimately made it the second most important championship in the company under MJF. Then we got the tag team titles. We know the tag team championships. Very straightforward. We got the AEW six-man tag team titles, trios championships, which are barely seen on television. Don't know what the acclaimed are doing with them. They should be on TV on or around the waists of an LFI or a House of Black or Best Friends or somebody that is featured heavily on television. They only put them on the acclaimed to sell fucking Replica belts, very expensive ones at that. Fine. What are we doing with them? They need to be more important to AEW as well. Then we got the Ring of Honor World Championship, Eddie Kingston. We got the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. We got the Ring of Honor Six-Man Tag Team Championships. We got the Ring of Honor Women's Championships to go along with the AEW TBS title, the AEW Women's title. Now we're going to add the Continental Championship. I can't forget about Orange Cassidy's international championship. You get a title. You get a title. Everybody gets a title. Don't like it. I don't. 
Never going to like it. The more you do something, the less, the less value it is. The more you add, the less value the other titles will have. The more I do something, the less I'm going to like it. How many times I got to use the analogy? If I have fucking pasta seven days a week, my Sicilian ass has pasta every fucking day of the week. Am I going to enjoy pasta on the eighth day? Probably. But it's not going to hit the same. You know, back in my day when my grandma used to have us over for Sunday Italian dinner, it was only on Sunday that we had pasta and meatballs. And whatever else she did, antipast, whatever, brajol. It was Sunday that was dedicated for family night, Italian. Everybody sits around the dinner table and has, uh, has a, a great meal. Now, my grandma made Italian, Italian dinner on fucking Thursday and then Wednesday and Tuesday and Monday. It's not going to be the same. So I'm going to need... I wish, I, I, I'm asking like, I, I need it, like I'm the fucking boss here. I would really appreciate Tony Khan laying down the law and, and telling us where these titles fall in the hierarchy. Like, what are the titles supposed to be? Now, with the inclusion of the AEW Continental title, I'm going to need to see heavy, heavy, heavy Ring of Honor presence moved away from AEW television. I'm going to need Ring of Honor to keep their titles and to keep their brand and everything else on the app. I don't want to see six-man tag team titles. I don't want to see a pure championship. I don't want to see the Ring of Honor uh, tag team titles, whatever. World title, I don't want to see none of that shit on television. Now that you're adding another title, all those titles, theoretically, should be moved away. Because I don't want to see everybody holding a fucking title. We're not giving out consolation prizes to, hey, man, you're a great wrestler, but we're not ready for you yet, but we're going to give you a championship because you're going to be waiting in the wings. No. No, we don't do that. The Atlanta Braves had the best record in all of baseball, all because they lost to the Phillies, as I predicted in four games. Let's give the Braves a consolation trophy because they had the best record in the league but didn't make the World Series. doesn't work that way. So I'm going to need all those titles to be moved away, and I'm going to need TK to categorize the championships on television. Now, the Continental title, you know, it's the Ring of Honor and the Never Openweight Championship being merged together. This is a Triple Crown winner, Triple Crown Championship. So this title can be defended on AEW. This title can be defended, and I hope to God it's not just random matches thrown together. I hope this story built around it. This title is going to be defended on AEW television. This title is going to be defended on Ring of Honor. This title is going to be defended in New Japan. Isn't that what the international championship was for? Someone correct me in the chat. Isn't that what the international championship was for? I mean, that title was supposed to be taken overseas and defended on international soil. Yet we got a continental championship, which is basically the same thing as the international championship, That's going to be defended in Ring of Honor. That's going to be defended on international soil. So what are we doing here? Did you lessen the value of the title that Orange Cassidy is holding now just to create a new championship? AEW did not need another championship. They did not. I don't give a shit what Tony Khan says. Tony Khan is so stuck in his ways, and Tony Khan is a lover of professional wrestling that he wants to emulate what he grew up watching. But here's the thing. Here's the deal, like Andrew Bay Dallas says on Tuesday nights. Here's the deal. This is not 
Tony Khan growing up watching fucking old Japan wrestling. This is 2023. We don't need to see TK's fucking childhood brought back to AEW television. Just give me shit that makes sense. I want to watch television that makes me think. Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code SCRIPT50 to get 50% off. That's code SCRIPT50 at factormeals.com slash SCRIPT50 to get 50% off. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I want to watch television that doesn't insult my intelligence. I want to watch a product that takes themselves serious and makes everything about their show prestigious and serious. In this case, professional wrestling. In this case, their world championships. You know, for too long, we consider pro wrestling championships props. Oh, they're nothing more than a prop to be showcased on television to get this one over and that one over and Present, you know, present this one as a big deal. That's why AEW exists. Because they were supposed to take all of what WWE was doing and be the alternative. Championships were supposed to mean something. Championships were supposed to be prestigious. This and that. Meanwhile, the more championships you add, the less value the others will hold. Start differentiating the titles and making us aware of what title is what, what it's supposed to be, and what it's supposed to do. 
Because right now, I can't tell the difference between the Continental Championship and the International Championship. And I would expect, because we got such a great media in the wrestling space, nobody asked this fucking question at the fucking media scrum. That's why I should be there. Because this question would have already been asked already by me. Hey, TK, what's the difference between the International title and the Continental title? But they don't want to answer those questions. None of them. The same fucking thing. Literally the same thing. I would have been okay with a number one contender to MJF or whoever the champion is at Revolution. That's it. Simple. Be done with it. I mean, the AEW championship is the biggest prize in in, in all of AEW. Right now, MJF is the greatest champion in professional wrestling. Yes, I'm putting him over Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns doesn't show up to work. MJF's putting his fucking body on the line every fucking, every pay-per-view. 365 days a year, this man's body of work is fucking eclipsed Romans. Fact. Don't like it? Get out. If you have a number one contendership on the line in this tournament, how valuable do you think MJF's championship goes up? It's a great deal right there. Everything should kind of revolve around the existing championship instead of creating a new one. You've taken a Ring of Honor championship that at this stage of the game holds no value. The Ring of Honor championship has no value. The New Japan champion, a never open weight champion, who gives a shit? And you're merging these championships into a continental title. Okay. So you take two very, very mid-card championships and make one new championship. So you're basically calling the Continental Championship a mid-card championship. A less-than championship. I don't know, man. I don't know who was in TK's ear. I don't know if this was discussed. I don't know. A number one contendership would have been perfect for the tournament. Perfect. Now... With those names announced, clearly, this is going to be a great tournament. It's already started off on the right foot. John Moxley versus Swerve in, in, in the gold block. We're going to get it. Swerve versus Roosh. Swerve versus Jay White. Swerve versus Jay Lethal happened tonight. Great match. Moxley versus Jay White. Moxley versus Roosh. Can you imagine that match? Oh, my goodness. Mark Briscoe and Roosh. We got some bangers in the goal block. We got some bangers awaiting us, guys, in the goal block. Going to be great. The rules of the tournament are 20-minute time limit. Three points for a win, one point for a draw. Everyone is banned from ringside. A loss means you get zero points. Very straightforward. Very straightforward tournament. Love it. Been asking for something like this for years. Glad that we're getting it on AEW television. Now, Wade Keller. Wade Keller, as soon as Tony Khan's stream ended on Wednesday afternoon with Tony Schiavone, where they named everybody in the gold block and the blue block, I thought it was a great presentation. Did exactly what we needed it to do. Wade Keller, almost it's almost as if he had this draft already written up. And as soon as the stream with TK and Schiavone ended, he hit send. 
on the PW Torch website. I want to read a little of what Wade Keller wrote on the Torch in regards to the Continental Classic. Keller says, AEW's Continental Classic field of 12 stays within a comfort zone and comes up short in terms of prestige and novelty. By that headline, it piqued my interest because that's exactly what I talked about. Comes up short in terms of prestige and novelty. That's a problem. He isn't wrong there. I just discussed that. Wade Keller says, and I quote, this is up on the torch. If you guys want to go research it for yourself, if you want to go read it, it's on the torch. My main takeaway from the Continental Classic field of 12 was the disappointment, says Wade Keller. I'm not disappointed in the potential match quality, though. Brian Danielson versus Claudio, Andrade versus Daniel Garcia, Jay White versus John Moxley, and Roosh versus Swerve Strickland are just a few of what should be excellent matches. Okay. The disappointment is the lack of novelty. This feels, for the most part, like wrestlers of influence assembling a group of wrestlers who are in their comfort zone. He goes on to say, it feels like a tournament where there aren't many candidates for potential meaningful, surprising big wins. What are you talking about? Daniel Garcia and Brody King are in the same fucking block. On what planet do you look at Brody King and think he's not going to destroy Daniel Garcia? Right? Of course he is. Daniel Garcia is never going to get a win over Brody King. That's not a potential uh, a potential for a surprise win. I don't really un- understand that logic. Why why would you think that? Swerve wrestling Jay White. Jay White's fresh. Swerve is injured. Swerve has taken a major injury or major, he's banged up into this tournament. The fact that he even competed at a high level tonight was unbelievable to watch. How's he going to fare over five weeks of television? There's a lot of story in this thing and a lot of potential for story. So I don't really understand where he's coming from there. Tony Khan already told you before the tournament was even announced that it was going to be 12 of the company's best. I don't understand what he's saying here. Danielson is the biggest name in his bracket with a pretty pretty big drop-off in terms of stature in the storylines of AEW and actual likelihood of winning to a second tier of Andrade, Kingston, and Claudio, then Brody next, and finally Garcia. Danielson seems like the only good choice to be in the final as anyone else would feel like fodder to lose or a bad choice to win. Eddie Kingston, I mean, we're talking bad and negatively about Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's not going to be a good one to have in the final. I don't, I don't really understand that. What, what is the disrespect towards Eddie Kingston? Andrade wouldn't be a good final. Claudio wouldn't be a good final. Brody King wouldn't be a good final. We've been asking for the House of Black to be featured on fucking television more. We're getting it. Brody King in the final wouldn't be great. I don't understand that. He's looking at it from who's the biggest star in this block. Everybody else doesn't measure up to Brian Danielson. I didn't know that they had to. It's what the tournament is for. 
You're in there to showcase yourself against the best. If you're someone like Brody who hasn't gotten the opportunity, this is your opportunity to show what you're made of because if you do well here, Tony Khan in 2024 may say, hey, I got another main event guy ready to be built. There you go. We've been asking for Andrade on television more. Andrade is one of the best pro wrestlers in the world. Now we got it and we're complaining because he's not on the level of Brian Danielson? Come on now. Moxley is the biggest name in his bracket, followed by Swerve Strickland and Jay White in the second tier. Then Roosh and Mark Briscoe in the next tier. And finally, Jay Lethal. This is the more intriguing bracket as it could set up finals of Danielson versus Strickland, Danielson versus Jay White, or Danielson versus John Moxley. Any one of those, sign me up, shut up, take my money. This tournament, though, isn't going to mean all that much compared to what it could have with a stronger lineup. I mean, who, we, who are we realistically missing here? Who are we missing? Please, I'd love to hear in the chat who we're missing. Kenny Omega? I just told you why Kenny Omega is not in the tournament. He's the number one contender for the tag team championships with Chris Jericho. I didn't book the fucking story. Konosuke Takesta should be there for sure. Miro? I'd love to see Miro in this tournament. That's why I was so against Daniel Garcia being announced. But we're going to let that story play out. Who else are we missing? Will Hobbs? There's always going to be next year. This is not a one-time thing. Boom, 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 goodbye. We're, we're done. Finite. This is going to happen next year, too. So why is he down on the names being announced? You asked for the best. You got the best. Hangman Page. It's not in the tournament. He lost to Swerve. Swerve winning that match the way that he did and the presentation of that match, how great it came off. He deserves to be in the tournament. So why would Page get granted a spot in the tournament when Strickland beat him? I just look at little things like that. So he goes on to say, that's not to say the winner won't gain something, especially if it's ultimately a way to solidify Swerve as a top-tier threat to the AW world title or showcase Jay White to rehabilitate him after he lost to a one-legged wrestler on pay-per-view despite help from the guns. Swerve is not going to be ready for a world title right now. If this is a placeholder for him, that is all we need. Because winning something like this is AEW showing their backing to Swerve and basically putting him on a pedestal saying, hey man, you're the next in line. We know how valuable you've been. You know we care about you. Your body of work shows we're going to reward you. That's what that means. But Jay White, I don't know why we're rehabilitating Jay White because Jay White is not buried. I, I don't understand the, the narrative of Jay White. Jay White's buried, pal. He lost to a one-legged man, pal. No, so what? So what? Jay White was undefeated before MJF beat him. Was it silly? Sure. Could it have been done differently? Sure. I've documented that several times this week alone. But Jay White's not buried. Jay White looked great tonight in his match against Roosh. 
goodbye. On to the next. And Jay White's going to be in the field of the final four anyway. Where do you think he's going? If Moxley or Danielson win, it's fine, but not newsworthy. They were already top-tier stars, and winning this tournament won't give them a claim to having survived the most loaded, grueling series of matches against AEW's very best. This tournament could have offered novel, intriguing matches with Kenny Omega, Darby Allen, who right now is training to climb Mount Everest. He's not eligible for the tournament. If he was and wasn't injured, Tony Khan probably would have put him in there. Samoa Joe, can't happen. He's wrestling MJF at World's End, where the finals will be taking place for this tournament. Kenny Omega already told you, the number one contender for the tag team titles. Don't kill the messenger. I'm just telling you what's on television. Powerhouse Hobbs. Can't mention Hobbs without mentioning Takeshita. Malachi Black. Everybody's been asking about Malachi. I don't know if there's something wrong with Malachi. I don't know if there's indifference towards Malachi. I don't know if he's injured. Hangman Page. I just mentioned Page. Swerve or Page. Which one are you going to go with? You're going to go with the guy who won, and that is Swerve. Page, he's got something else to keep his mind busy, whatever that is. Sorry. Miro. Yes, Miro is a glaring omission from this tournament. Yes. But right now he's in a story with CJ, which probably could have played out well in the tournament because Andrade is being managed or guided business partnership with Andrade. So Miro probably, out of all these names, makes the most sense and probably the one name that I have a gripe with with being omitted. Sure. Where's Miro? I would have absolutely taken Garcia out and put Miro in. Then he mentions Wardlow. Wardlow's not here for the Continental title. Why are we mentioning Wardlow? This is not a tournament right now for Wardlow. Wardlow wants one thing and one thing only, and that is the AEW title, and wants to ruin MJF's life. Not going to do that by wrestling fucking 20-minute bangers in a fucking tournament Round-robin style that leads to World's End. This tournament could have offered offered novel, intriguing matchups. Debunked all the names that Wade Keller brought to the table. Except Miro. The tournament includes Garcia, who is a talented wrestler, who always has good matches, but has been marginalized and defined down so much this year to the point of seeming unworthy of being selected to be in this tournament. That I agree with. That I agree with. But the thing is, no matter how great Garcia is as a pro wrestler, the dancing and the shtick and the gimmick mixed with this type of tournament and what it embodies, the gimmick and what he presents himself to be on television is what people are going to think about when they look at Daniel Garcia. Being a pro wrestler is going to come to be number two. So there's a problem there. And I agree with, Wade Keller in that because the tournament isn't really something right now for Daniel Garcia based on what he's been doing and how low on the card he's been. But I said, if this leads to Daniel Garcia shedding that gimmick, potentially joining the Blackpool Combat Club, which should have been done already, 
and becoming the pro wrestler that we know he is, then it lends it to be the right decision for him to be there. And people ask for story within the tournament. I don't know if you guys really understand, the tournament itself is a story. Daniel Garcia being in there is a potential story. The Blackpool Combat Club being in there, all three of them, is a potential story. The option for rematches here is a potential story. A lot of these guys have crossed paths one way or another earlier this year. Stop with the excuses. Stop. I'd much rather have seen Kyle Fletcher or Takeshita or a talented tag wrestler testing himself as a singles wrestler. Nick Jackson, Anthony Bowens, Colton Gunn, into this spot. If any of them beat some of the big names in their brackets, it would elevate them and not necessarily hurt the wrestler that that they beat. But if Garcia beats big names on the roster, it's just the comedy goof with the embarrassing dance scoring a freak win that ultimately doesn't matter. Seems like some blatant disrespect to Daniel Garcia as if he can't beat anybody in this tournament. Meanwhile, he's wrestled Andrade, banger, wrestled Moxley, banger, wrestled Brian Danielson several times, banger, banger. I don't understand the logic there. Is the gimmick goofy? Is the dance goofy? Yeah. But what if it is the story for Daniel Garcia in the tournament? Already drafting a fucking hate piece on AEW before we even get the man to wrestle on television. The fact that he's an awesome wrestler doesn't mean he belongs in it from a storyline standpoint. That said, I'm open to this being a tournament designed to rehabilitate Garcia by having him score a series of big wins and make it to the final or even win it if the goal is to have him shed everything he's done since deciding to return to the Jericho Appreciation Society and later deciding that becoming a trending gif was more important than being a serious wrestler with the potential draw money above the lower end comedy bit he's doing now. So he knows, he knows that it's a potential for a breakout for Daniel Garcia in the ways that I just documented, but hates the decision that he's in there. So then you're taking Daniel Garcia's entry into the tournament and kind of telling Tony Khan without telling Tony Khan that you don't trust him to do the right thing. There's a reason why he's there. There's a reason why he's there. Let's see it play out. Normally, I'm the type of guy to jump down everybody's throat. Ah, this, ah, that, yeah, it sucks. This is something that I'm willing to see play out because this is several weeks of television. Several weeks of television. We don't know what's going to happen. It's a tournament. Round robin. Unpredictability is going to be at the forefront here. No one in this tournament is going to be out of their comfort zone. And there's very few matches that are going to feel novel. Miro versus Moxley, Takeshita versus Darby, Wardlow versus Omega, Hangman versus Fletcher feel to me like matches a little outside the comfort zone and familiar friend groups that wrestlers so often occupy in AEW's universe and more of a challenge for TK to book finishes for. They'd inject different styles of matches into the tournament also. See, that I agree with. That I agree with. Every tournament that Tony Khan has done has been very predictable and basically laid out for the winner to be predicted before we even see the tournament play out. 
The latest example of this was the Grand Slam Eliminator Tournament. Like, we all knew Samoa Joe was winning that tournament. We all knew Samoa Joe was winning that tournament. The Owen Hart Final was even predictable. CM Punk is in it. Samoa Joe is in it. This is the first time in 19 years they're going to be wrestling here in the United States. There you go. There's the final. Very predictable. Not to say the tournament was bad, but it was very predictable. Tony Khan has a problem of booking his favorites in the tournament and giving the tournament to be the foundation for something to happen, and you could see it play out before it actually plays out. That I don't like. That I don't like. So Wade Keller is basically saying, well, if you put these guys in the tournament and put these different styles against each other, it would feel like AEW is breaking out of that. Because right now, the way that I see it, it is very difficult for me to not sit here and tell you that Brian Danielson is winning this entire fucking tournament because all he's ever wanted was to wrestle in the G1. Tony Khan brought the G1 to him in AEW, and this is his last full year of wrestling. For him to win the one title that merges the Ring of Honor World Championship, which is synonymous with Brian's career, and New Japan, I can't unsee Brian not winning the tournament. So this actually may be that, but we don't really know yet. It's all dependent on if Brian is healthy. Jay Lethal feels like he's going to win zero matches in this thing. And just be used to stack up easy points without political gripes for top wrestlers. Lethal certainly shouldn't be pinning or even wrestling to a draw. Anyone in this bracket. I could see a draw with Briscoe or perhaps Roosh. But his matches are just rampage material. And he's taking a spot from everyone who could have had a much more intriguing match with everyone else in the block. It's another guy we've been asking for on TV. Jay Lethal. Great pro wrestler. Why are we complaining? If he's there to take losses, great. You know, you know, you know, you know the one thing that I look at, it's a victory in itself. Jay Lethal wrestling away from the fucking clown circus that is Jeff Jarrett's stable, where there's nothing but carny shit going on in every match outcome. Take it as a W. What is there to complain about if Jay Lethal is on TV and he's wrestling for 15 minutes every week? Don't get it. The 20-minute time limit, while not unreasonable to have given their all-TV matches, sets up an escape hatch for tough situations where a win for one wrestler would really mean something because it'd be a shock to see the other wrestler lose Khalid. AEW's used the time limit draw how many times? I could probably count on one hand. Why are we expecting to them for them to break it out four or five different times here in the tournament when they haven't even done that four or five different times in four years? Really? Come on. So when Moxley faces Strickland or Jay White, Tony Khan can just book them to draw and tout what a great match they had without having any of them do a clean job. Same with Danielson in the other bracket. The bracket isn't strong enough where Danielson beating any of them is a big deal, unfortunately, but rather than running through the field, Khan can protect Kingston or Andrade or even Brody if he wants. There's a lot of talent in this tournament who will be motivated to make their matches special. And if AEW does its job well, they'll tell a good story with the order of matches and the race to have the most points by the end. It just doesn't seem like a brave selection of wrestlers as it has very few novel matchups outside the usual comfort zone of those wrestlers. And the field of potential winners is pretty small unless 
they're going to take a chance to try and elevate someone unexpected, but I don't see a good candidate for that to happen. Takeshita, Hobbs, Fletcher come to mind. There's good choices for that, but they're not in the tournament. Hobbs doing well in the tournament could have helped him make a more convincing case for the world championship match that he's been pining for. A braver and more newsworthy field would have included a lot of matches where the outcome wasn't a foregone conclusion or one wrestler winning over another would have significant impact and a surprise element, but also be prudent. Having Lethal pin Strickland would be shocking, but also stupid. Having Fletcher pin Danielson or Moxley would have not been, not only been shocking, but also serve a purpose of sending a message to the fans that Fletcher is the real deal on the rise. Fletcher, I don't know why he keeps mentioning Kyle Fletcher. Kyle Fletcher is not being turned into a singles performer. He's only there as a single because Mark Davis is out. As soon as Mark Davis gets back to TV, the Aussie Open are going to be back in the tag team division. I don't understand that logic. I don't. This is not a Jay and Jimmy Uso situation right now. For all we know, they're going to end up getting back together. Give me a break. This is a nice tournament, but not what I was looking for and hoping for to establish this as a truly uncompromised top field with, say, 12 of the top 16 singles in the company. Feels like a gimmick and a showcase for good matches, then a true statement to jar disgruntled or disengaged AEW fans out of their apathy and making AEW TV appointment viewing. AEW is always a place to watch good matches. This tournament is just more of that but then adds a point system and some consequence to the wins and losses. The triple crown aspect of it feels convoluted and unnecessary. That I absolutely agree with. And unfortunately, the field isn't strong enough to establish this out of the gate as a game changer for AEW or incentivize to bring many fans back who are feeling apathy towards some aspects of the product otherwise. I get that some people feel like AEW doesn't have story. I don't really understand those people. I don't. We got Christian Cage and Luchasaurus, Nick Wayne, Adam Copeland. We'll get into that. Tremendous stuff tonight. MJF, Adam Cole, Samoa Joe. Tremendous stuff tonight. We even got a devil appearance and a voice. Don't know who it is. Hopefully it's not who I hear rumblings about online. But the tournament itself is a story. I really don't understand how people don't see the tournament as a story. This is one week. There could be injuries. There could be come from behind fucking injuries where someone pulls out an upset. The injury prolongs his fucking venture on into the tournament. We got different styles, different sizes. Tony Khan has a problem of choosing his favorites. I get it. But that doesn't mean that this tournament is going to be a bust. AEW needs more story. We get it. They need more solid story. We get it. But this, mixed with what they have going on right now, if they continue to build the way that they have been tonight going into World's End, and then we get this tournament that also gives us story What the fuck is there to complain about? There isn't anything to complain about. People are just complaining for the sake of complaining. 
The only aspect of this tournament that I that I disagree with is the fucking convoluted aspect that we take the Ring of Honor title and the Never Open Weight title and merge it to make the Continental title. We didn't need all that. Number one contender for AEW's world title at Revolution would have been perfect. But this is year one of a fucking tournament that Tony Khan is getting off the ground this year. Who knows what changes he's going to make next year? Who knows who's going to be in the tournament next year? I'm sure Tony Khan will take the criticism of the people that have complained about this thing and duly note it. He'll make the changes as appropriate as he needs to next year. Because when fans revolt around the product, normally Tony Khan listens. Normally. Their problem is they don't listen hard enough. They'll go back, they'll give you a great show, they'll have one fucking stinker of a show, and people will fucking rate it and review bomb it on cagematch.net, and Tony Khan will lose sleep for it over this show for weeks. And then he'll come out next week and give us a banger show, and then we'll get back on the right track. It's like we gotta whip him back into shape. But he's someone that does regularly listen to the fan base. The problem with him is listening on a consistent basis. Feel like he listens, but then goes back and does what he wants to do, and then what he wants to do sometimes is not always the best decision. Let's see this thing play out. We got one week of this tournament this week, and it's already gotten fucking rave reviews from what I see. What's the fucking problem? Because Takeshita's not in the tournament. Great, I'd love to see Takeshita too. Kenny Omega's not in the tournament. Okay, Kenny Omega's here for the next five years. Where the fuck do you think he's going? Like he's not going to compete in a continental tournament. And whoever else you're missing from the tournament. The tournament is a story. Six weeks of a tournament is a story. I don't give a fuck what you think. Mixed with everything else, Dynamite was fucking focused, laser focused tonight. Cut the shit. Anyway, guys, we're going to get into the review. I appreciate you joining me here on the podcast. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Thank you guys for the super chats while I was ranting. I had the chat closed because I wanted to remain focused on that. Nickname my with a $100 super chat. Great show as always, JD. What I asked myself. What would happen if the top two of a group have the same score and they had a draw? Would they have another deciding match? Nickname my story. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And knowing Tony Khan and the way he takes chances on this to give the best sports presentation possible, I wouldn't doubt something like that happening. Honestly. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Really appreciate you hanging out tonight. We are going to get into the Dynamite post in just a second. I want to say hello to you guys. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. I'm going to start uploading some short-form content on the channel. I think that's my uh, my addition to what I'm doing here. I have a second channel. You guys don't know that already. 
It's a mixed bag of stuff. I'll be live tomorrow before the Thanksgiving festivities with something. Whether we open Pokemon cards, whether we play Call of Duty. I'll be live over there in the morning. Spending my time with you guys as I drink my coffee tomorrow morning. We're going to have fun. Hit that thumbs up, man. We got 472 likes on the stream. Unacceptable. I never ask anything of you guys. You do it because you want to. You appreciate the channel. But I'm going to need at least, at least 800 likes as the goal. Hit that thumbs up. Super chats are open. You guys are already showing great energy. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Jesse is not here because he was at AEW Dynamite tonight. He enjoyed himself. He has a life. I unfortunately have to be here. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Magic Mind. Trinket some Magic Mind right now, man. How do you think I was laser focused on that rant about the AEW Continental Classic? Go to go to magicmind.com and you guys are going to use my promo code JDNY. It's magicmind.com slash JD from NY. When you get to checkout, JDNY is the code. Get up to 56% off your first subscription within the next 10 days. Love it. It's upped my productivity very handsomely. Magicmind.com, great new friend of the podcast. Today's sponsor right here on OTS. Let's get into the Dynamite stuff, man. Dynamite opened up with a great match. Swerve Strickland and Jay Lethal, Continental Classic Tournament match. Swerve coming off one of the, if not the, best Texas death matches of our generation. Excellent stuff. Unbelievable match. It's not for everybody, but it was incredible. And that's why he's in this tournament. So, obviously, Swerve was not 100%. He came out wearing Kinesio tape, selling the injury again. <clears throat> story. How is he going to last through all of these difficult matches? with the injuries sustained in the Texas death match. Lethal went right after Swerve's arm, dove through the ropes, and knocked him into the ringside barricade. Lethal was in control here. He was strutting and really confident out there. He flipped off some of the fans at ringside. Swerve took control here, and he goes... And strikes Jay Lethal, and they have a striking battle in the middle of the ring. So Lethal is going after Strickland's taped shoulder again, and Strickland is targeting Lethal's left leg, so he's trying to take out uh, the uh, finish of Jay Lethal, the lethal injection. And they go right into a commercial break, slugging each other in the middle of the ring. We get back from break, swerve, superplex, Lethal. Lethal went for a figure four. And then he went for a stretch muffler. Lethal escaped by grabbing the bottom rope. Lethal rolled up Swerve for a two count. Lethal then rolled into a submission hold on the mat. Swerve escaped and gave him the house call kick to the head. 
goes up top, goes up top and lends the Swerve Stomp for the one, two, three. And Swerve Strickland is the first winner and gets himself three points in the tournament with a win over Jay Lethal. Yes, Jay Lethal is probably going to be everybody's punching bag in his particular block. But to see Jay Lethal wrestle on television without Satnam Singh and Jeff Jarrett and the screeching gargoyle known as Karen Jarrett out there, it's great. It's great. And you know you're going to get a quality tournament match with Jay Lethal out there. So I love it. Uh, Everybody did a great job here. The announcers did a great job uh, talking about the round robin tournament, letting fans know how to understand it, how the tournament works. It's not single elimination. You win and you try again next week or you come back the following week on collision or whatever and try and get some points on the board. If you lose, you do not go home. Now, I understand that Wade Keller said, you know, it would have been great to see Swerve Strickland lose, but something like that's not going to happen. I don't know why you would expect Swerve to lose. Like, I listen, I, I love a good, unpredictable tournament. I do. I do. But it's how you book it. I always use, and this is what I don't really understand. People, people don't really remember back in the day what they watched. The 1993, I always mention it, the 1993 King of the Ring is one of my favorite, if not my favorite tournaments ever. It's one of my favorite pay-per-views ever. That 93 King of the Ring from the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. Bret the Hitman Hart opened the show against Razor Ramon in the first round of the tournament. Now, that was a rematch from their Royal Rumble WWF Championship match. That was one of the main events of the 1993 Royal Rumble. So that was a rematch there in the first round. Did anybody did anybody anticipate Razor Ramon to beat Bret the Hitman Hart? Now, that's not a round-robin tournament. It was a single-elimination tournament. Did anybody expect Razor Ramon to beat Bret Hart? No. You know what else was a first-round match in that tournament? Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Did anybody expect Hacksaw Jim Duggan to beat Bam Bam Bigelow? No. You know what else was the first round match in that tournament? Mr. Perfect versus Mr. Hughes. Did anybody expect Mr. Hughes to beat Kurt Henning? No. Nobody expected. You know what else was the first round match? Tatanka versus Lex Luger. Lex Luger was, un- was uh, I believe Lex Luger was undefeated at that point. So was Tatanka. You know what happened to them? They went to a 15-minute time limit draw. And nobody advanced. Bam Bam went to the finals. It's how you book it. The only unpredictable thing in that tournament, the only unpredictable thing in that tournament, yet it wasn't really all that unpredictable, was Bret Hart versus versus, uh, Mr. Perfect. That was it. Bret Hart went into that match with broken uh, fingers. They they had the, the taped fingers. And... Mr. Perfect on any given day could beat Bret the Hitman Hart. Any given night. That was the only unpredictable match in the entire tournament. Stop complaining about, oh, I didn't expect Swerve to lose, but it would have been a great shocker if he did. Yeah, I could have said that about the fucking 1993 King of the Ring, too, with Ray Ramon eliminating Bret Hart. Come on, man. Rene Paquette, he was set to interview Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Shibata. Wheeler Yuta interrupted as Cassidy was about to make a statement. 
Wheeler Yuda said he hasn't forgotten about Shibata because Shibata holds his Ring of Honor pure title. Don't care. He said it makes him sick seeing him walk around with his pure title. He says he should watch because that pure title is coming back and I'm vowing to take my title back. Cassidy said he had an announcement, but by the time Renee was there to end the interview, he asked, well, do I have time to make my announcement? And Renee said, no, we're out of time. Orange Cassidy looked sad. The announcement, by the way, was Dan Housen is now returning to the best friends. Great. MJF, we hear his music, and then it kicks into the remix with Adam Cole's theme music, and Adam Cole is out there with MJF. They look like two feeble old men. Adam Cole walking on crutches and MJF doing his best, his best Vince McMahon cane impersonation, walking out with a stylish, fashionable cane, is MJF. They did the whole boom. Cole is on crutches, his left leg in a boot. Cole sat on a chair in the middle of the ring and MJF hobbling around on a cane, grabs the mic and says, cut my music, cut my music. He's pretty much kissing up to the crowd. And he mentions a local bar. I didn't get the name of it. He said, if I sound a little hoarse, it's because your champion was throwing back a couple of brews at so-and-so bar. He had some deep dish pizza. And he was calm. He, He mentioned something about the girls in the audience. This one goes out for you. I'm not talking about the deep dish pizza. It's great. He touted being the youngest and longest reigning AEW champion of all time. He said, sometimes I can be too humble, so he's going to talk himself up. And he yelled that he's the greatest AEW champion of all time. Facts. He closed with, I'm better than you, and you know it. MJF then turned to Cole and said that none of it was possible without Adam Cole. Adam Cole said it was great to be back in Chicago and still be the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. He gave credit to Samoa Joe for helping MJF Keep that promise. And we got another $100 Super Chat here, man. Holy shit. Jason Barker with a $100 Super Chat. I got the Barker bomb. I've been trying to work hard and support the show whenever I can. Are you feeling oozy or like Tony Storm's Juicy? I'm feeling oozy, bro, but I'd like to feel Tony Storm's juicy, too. Thank you so much, brother, for being here, as always, and thank you for supporting the show the way that you do. Jason Barker with a $100 Super Chat here tonight to go along with Nickname My. Loving the energy. Loving the energy. So, MJF is there with Adam Cole. Adam Cole gave credit to Samoa Joe. Cole says he's nowhere near returning to action. He said he will come back at 100% and be the best Adam Cole he's ever been. He says he's worried for MJF, though, because it seems the entire world is gunning for him. MJF says he doesn't have to worry about him. He said when he finds the devil, the hell he sends him to is going to feel like heaven. The lights went out. The devil appeared briefly, and we got the first voice of the devil tonight, and he laughed. (laughs) 
He left at MJF. The little highnesses, my precious. <laughs> no, he didn't do all that, but. The devil left. We got a voice, maybe, to go along with the devil. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, well, JD, how, how, how could Adam Cole be the devil if, if Adam Cole is in the ring and the devil was on the screen? I don't know, man. We live in 2023 with all the technology in the world. Figure it out. Figure it out. It's still Adam Cole. Nobody makes sense. And no, no, it better not be Jack Perry. I'm telling you right now. Better not be Jack Perry. It's not CM Punk either. It's not CM Punk either. If it's CM Punk, man, I will wear zero hats on this show the next time I do a Dynamite review. So, the devil left. Samoa Joe then came out. Joe said MJF went out to the ring against all odds and stands there still AEW champion. He took a shot at Cole, not being able to help him, saying Cole is less able. He said he came to Chicago to make sure MJF honors the pact that he gives Joe a title rematch for helping him out against the gun club at full gear. MJF said, well, listen, first of all, you should stand back because your breath stinks, number one. He said he thought about the rematch request, and he went on to tell MJF, blow me. They bleeped him out. Joe grabbed MJF and shoved him against the ropes. Adam Cole starts begging Samoa Joe to let him go and let him talk to Max. Joe let MJF go. Adam Cole told MJF, that was what the old MJF would do. This is the new MJF. This new MJF is a man of his word. Cole said the fans just don't love you because you're a great wrestler or a great interview, but also because he does what he says he's going to do. Fans then chanted, he's our scumbag. Well, if he's your scumbag, then what he told Joe and MJF telling Joe to blow him would pretty much go hand in hand. If he's your scumbag, then not giving Joe the championship match makes him your scumbag. But I get it. This is the new MJF. MJF said, if Joe wants to face him for the belt, you wouldn't be the first Ring of Honor legend I've defeated here in Chicago. Twice. CM Punk is the devil confirmed, I guess, huh? Sure thing. MJF is never going to shy away from taking a cheap shot at someone like that, especially in their hometown. He says they should do it tonight. Colt thought that was going too far. Joe said, absolutely not. Joe said if they wrestle tonight, he'll beat him, and then MJF will go on social media and whine about it, about how he wasn't 100%. He said by his by world's end, he should be nice and chipper. MJF asked if he's saying he wants to face him on December 30th at Nassau Coliseum in the most magical place in all of the world on Long Island. Fans booed. MJF said, listen, that's my truth, so shut up. He then agreed to the match with Joe. They shook hands. 
He then told the fans to calm down because he loves deep dish pizza. He said facing him on his home turf is about as bright as copping head from an alligator. He said based on the way Joe is looking these days, he doesn't seem to have a lot of options in that department. Joe said from now on, MJF is considered his property. This is where I really enjoyed this. MJF is now Samoa Joe's property, Joe says. He said, nobody touches you unless I say so. So everywhere I go, you go, and vice versa. He'll be only a a couple of steps behind him. And then, in front of his friends and family, at World's End, I'm going to strangle you unconscious. Good stuff. This was excellent. I thought this was great stuff. This was great forwarding of the storyline here. We got MJF mentioning uh, the devil. We got a devil appearance. We got a voice to the mask now. Don't really know who it is. I'm sure there'll be some internet sleuth that figures it out. Whatever the case may be. We got a world's end main event announced. Joe and MJF for the world championship. Love it. First match was great. Second match is going to be better. The stakes are higher this time. Love the fact that Samoa Joe did not take the championship match tonight. Love the fact that he said, I'm going to wait for you to get better. And I'm going to be right behind you, a couple of steps right behind you to ensure that you are getting better because I know everybody's gunning for you. I want to beat you at 100%. You want to call yourself the best? I'm going to beat the fucking best. Love it. Then you got Wardlow saying... He's going to have MJF's world come crashing down on him. We got the devil. A lot of things happening here, man. I thought this was excellent. Excellent segment here. And and for all the geeks, how can Adam Cole be the devil if the devil showed up on the screen? I don't know, man. Like I said, figure it out. Adam Cole is still my number one choice for the devil. Still my number one choice. And no... Maybe it is Tony Khan. Drew and I talked about this on TNT last night. Maybe Tony Khan is a part of it. Maybe Tony Khan is the devil, but he's not really, you know, the one who is the culprit here. Maybe Adam Cole is doing the bidding of the devil. There were a lot of instances in that championship match on Saturday night that just didn't really seem Adam Cole-esque to me. It didn't seem brochacho-esque to me. I'm going to keep an eye on that. But... I love the way that they forwarded this. I thought this was excellent stuff. Samoa Joe is just great. MJF, hopefully he gets better, man. I don't know how serious the injury is, but we could be nearing the end of his championship run. And I said this on Saturday. I want to reiterate this again because after tonight, it still doesn't seem to be a factor going in. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But the injury angle on Saturday at Full Gear was... Unnecessary. They didn't justify doing all that for MJF to come out on top and retain the AEW championship. Now, I did say maybe it's going to play into a larger, a larger portion of the story. Maybe it's going to be one of those things that they take into, into World's End out of full gear. Doesn't seem to be the case. They did not justify the injury angle at all to MJF, and they didn't really talk about that tonight. They didn't really forward that aspect tonight with Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe wants him to get healed up. Now, maybe it still can be a factor. I don't know. But they did not justify the injury angle on Saturday like I hoped that they would. 
because it was a big deal then, it should be something that carries them into the next pay-per-view as well, potentially having MJF lose the championship because of it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hook, Katsuyori Shibata, and Orange Cassidy against Jake Hager, Angela Parker, and Matt Menard. This was, it was fun. No rhyme or reason. I'm just glad Hook is on TV. I'm glad Hook is getting to work in there and really showcase what he's about. The more we see Hook, the more opportunity we see Hook get, the more he is going to grow and mature in front of our eyes and on AEW television. So it's good. Dan Housen's there. Angela Parker right now with Matt Menard. They're going at it. They have something going on there with Angelo Parker and Matt Menard where Angelo Parker's kind of guiding everybody. He doesn't want Danny Garcia. He doesn't want Danny Garcia doing the whole dance. He doesn't want him to dance. And Angelo Parker is looking at Matt Menard. He's got this little budding romance Menard does with Ruby Soho. Don't get involved with her. So I don't know what's going on there. Dan Housen's back. And Jake Hager and the hat. He loves his hat. Cassidy brings out Dan Housen. We haven't seen Dan Housen in quite a while. So Hook was isolated here before the commercial break. And then he hits an overhead throw on Parker. Makes the hot tag to Orange Cassidy. Ran wild until Hager caught him with a takedown. Cassidy fought back. Stun dog millionaire tag Shibata. He went at it with Jake Hager. Shibata fired off a pump kick. Hager took him down with a knee lift. Missed the corner splash. Shibata lit Hager up with some chops. Big stalling drop kick in the corner. Parker and Menard made the save. As Parker officially made the tag, wanted a triple powerbomb, but Denhausen appeared with Hager's purple hat that we have not seen in months. What was Denhausen doing with the purple hat? Denhausen put the hat on. He cursed Hager. Crowd popped. Cassidy hit a dive with Hook and Shibata slapping on dueling red rum and rear naked chokes. Switching because they realized Parker and Shibata were legal. So everyone tapped out as Shibata hooked Cassidy and Danhausen stood tall in the ring. Fun. Didn't really play into anything, but it's good to see Orange Cassidy doing his thing. Danhausen's back. If you're a fan of him, God bless you. And hook on television. It's never a bad thing. Nice six-man tag on Dynamite tonight. Ray Paquette. She was backstage with Adam Cole. This was very interesting, man. I took, uh, I- I've been dissecting these, these little uh, Adam Cole uh, interviews and uh, little Adam Cole-isms on television here. He was backstage with Renee. She wished him a speedy recovery. Cole says he can't wait to start physical therapy. Sure thing, guy. Sure thing. He says he's glad MJF kept his word and gave Joe the rematch. Roderick Strong was wheeled in by Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. Adam! He's yelling, Adam! Adam Cole standing right there. Crowd is starting to to get into it, too. The crowd is starting to chant, Adam! Strong said Action Andretti dropped him on his head last Friday. Where were you? Where were you? Cole told Roddy, shut up, Roddy. Shut up. I'm not your best friend anymore. Back off and leave me the hell alone. Strong said Cole didn't mean that. I don't know. I don't know, man. Sounds like, uh, looks like to me, 
That is a very devil-like behavior from Adam Cole. I don't know. Just all of a sudden snapped out of nowhere. Looks like something, sounds like something the devil would do, don't you say? I don't know, man. Christian Cage, Nick Wayne, and Lucha Soros made their ring entrance. Said a true champion is humble in victory and gracious in defeat. Christian and his team lost to Copeland, Sting, and Darby at full gear. He said things didn't go their way at full gear. He says he can say in all sincerity that he didn't lose the match. Said Nick Wayne didn't lose the match. He turned to Luchasaurus and said, Luchasaurus lost the match. He said he's trying to figure out how to get over the loser aura, which is most of the fucking troglodytes and geeks in the IWC. They're trying to get over their loser aura, and they never will shed that loser aura. He says he's made both of their lives better since associating with him. He said, since they are both his children, he wants to recreate both of them in his image. Christian told Luchasaurus to take a knee. He started yelling at it because Luchasaurus, yelling at him to do it because Luchasaurus didn't do it at first. This is embarrassing for Luchasaurus. So Excalibur mentioned that Christian hit Luchasaurus with the TNT title belt, which led to them losing the match. Meanwhile, Christian says it's not his fault. Christian yelled at Luchasaurus and called him a moron, ordered him to drop down to one knee. Luchasaurus did. Christian said his name. Luchasaurus will forever be associated with being a loser. He came up with a new name for Luchasaurus, a new name that means victory, and has served him well throughout his career. Luchasaurus' new name is now Killswitch. He said he will forever be known as that, the finisher. Kill switch. It's basically Christian Cage's finishing move. Luchasaurus was dejected and hung his head in shame. He turned to Nick Wayne. Nick Wayne kneeled immediately. Christian told him to get up, stand up. I didn't tell you to kneel. Christian told him to never get on his knees for another person. You're different, Nick. You're special. You're the son I've always wanted. He says he's the golden boy, and he sees things in him he's never seen in another man. You are me. I love you, Nick. He said he will now be known as the prodigy. I thought he was going to change his name, too. Believe it or not, I thought he was going to change his name to Nick Cage. I know I'm not the only one that thought that. I thought that he changed Luchasaurus's name. I thought this man was going to go out there and change Nick Wayne's name to Nick Cage. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just me. So we got Kill Switch Engage. And we got Nick Wayne, the prodigy. So Luchasaurus is now known as Kill Switch, and the prodigy is Nick Wayne. Nick's mother, Shayna Wayne. We got some uh, whistling and catcalling in the crowd, man. You, you, you certainly can understand why. Certainly understand why. She jogged out to the ring. Somewhere, Jesse was sweating because his wife was sitting next to him at the Wintrust Arena. Christian asked, what are you doing here? Shayna tried to talk some sense into Nick Wayne. Christian told her that she's a terrible mother. Christian said, loving his son isn't good enough. 
He says she couldn't even provide for Nick since she's earned merely $40,000 a year as a waitress. He says it's a good thing his father is dead because Nick would have disowned him by now anyway. He said Nick would have realized his father wasn't nearly the man or father that he is. Shayna shook her head and got teary-eyed. Christian told her that if she played her cards differently, things could have worked out differently. Wink, wink. Christian told her to get out of your, get out of his ring right now. Don't you have to go clock in at Denny's for your shift, he tells Shayna Wayne. Love this man. So Wayne, then Nick Wayne, that is, went outside the ring to go find the chair from underneath the ring. He slid the chair to Christian, who set up a concerto. So, Luchasaurus steps in before this. I got ahead of myself. Luchasaurus steps in between Christian and Shayna. Christian told him to drop to his knees. I didn't tell you to get up. Luchasaurus shook his head no. Fans are chanting, Luchasaurus. Christian slapped him and says they can do it the easy way or the hard way. He wants to do it the hard way with Shayna Wayne. I'll tell you that right now. Christian said that he'll make him take off his mask and show everyone why he wears the mask. Now back down. He shoved Luchasaurus, and Christian shoved Luchasaurus right into Shayna, who landed hard against the middle rope with some whiplash effect. Fans and the announcers gasped in shock. Wayne looked down, and he looked kind of concerned, but not. He looked at Christian, who told him to get out of the ring. So he went to go look under the, uh, under the ring for a chair. He gets a chair, slides it to Christian, who's set up for a concerto. The announcers are saying someone has to come down and stop this. Christian wound up a concerto on Nick Wayne's mother, but then stopped and ordered Luchasaurus to hit her instead. He wound up, hesitated, and then Adam Copeland's music hit. And he ran to the ring. He speared Nick Wayne, kicked Luchasaurus in the face, and Luchasaurus, after all that Christian did to belittle him, pulled him out of the ring so that Copeland could not spear him. So he yanked Christian to safety. Copeland then speared Wayne again. And as Wayne stood, uh, he delivered the Impaler DDT from the ramp. Christian yelled, no, that's my child. That's my child. Copeland then delivered a concerto to Nick Wayne as his mom watched at ringside. So Nick Wayne watched his mother possibly receive a concerto, did nothing. And Nick Wayne's mother watched Chris, um, Adam Copeland concerto her son and nothing. The levels of empathy and compassion in this family are disgusting. No compassion whatsoever. So that's the way the segment came to a close after the concerto as Nick Wayne's mom watched at ringside. Shanna entered the ring to check on her son as Copeland's music played. Christian is fucking incredible. He is. He's great. This was, this was excellent fucking TV. He is as slimy and despicable as a heel as you will ever see this year. Unbelievable stuff. The tease of pushing Luchasaurus to basically humiliating him and Nick Wayne seeing what happened to his mother 
this is the level of storytelling that we need all across the board from AEW. I'm not saying it's got to be two hours of fucking nonstop, top-tier storytelling. But you see what MJF and Adam call the devil, Samoa Joe, Roddy, the kingdom, the devil, who, whatever's going on there, who's joining the devil? Story. It's the biggest storyline in AEW history. Then you got this. The 20-plus years of Adam Copeland and Christian being played out here. You know, it's funny how people tell me AEW's got no story. Well, clearly, you're not watching the fucking show because these two storylines are fucking phenomenal. Like, Dynamite was laser fucking focused tonight. Laser focused. This is leading to the rated R version of Copeland introducing that version of Copeland to television here for the first time. You, you, you see it happening. And a- everything that Copeland said, he said weeks ago, Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne are going to leave you. You see that happening. You see that starting here. Because Christian thinks who he is. Christian's on his fucking throne. He thinks he's the father figure to these guys. And, you know, only, you, know you can only take so much. They're going to end up leaving him. You see it playing out. Story, story, story. Which is eventually leading to Copeland versus Christian Cage. When it happens, I don't know. But Tony Khan and Creative did an excellent job at keeping them separated just enough at full gear. Not letting them get in the ring and giving away too much. And everybody is now anticipating that big time first match in AEW. Excellent stuff. This was tremendous stuff. Renee interviewed Angela Parker, Matt Menard, Jake Hager, and Anna Jay backstage. Hager was upset about the hat because Danhausen had it. Jay says she's tired of losing and tired of the infighting. She said that she is going to go out there and wrestle and it should be about me. She asked Parker, if you're going to go out there and be in my corner because... Parker's phone rang at the moment. Camera picked up the image of Ruby Soho appearing on the phone. Anna Jay did not like that. So, a little in-story uh, in there with Angelo Parker and his budding romance with Ruby Soho. We don't know where it's going. It's something, right? It's something. It's not, uh, not burning the fucking uh, town up on fire, but it is what it is. Roosh, he went one-on-one with Jay White. Absolutely tremendous stuff here. These two guys literally beat the shit out of each other. This is the type of shit that we are expecting from the tournament, okay? Now, Jay White came down with the gun club. Referee's like, no, 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 no. come on, man, get out of here. Gun club, how to go to the back, man. Austin and Colton, goodbye. Goodbye. So, Roosh and Jay White, they went at it nonstop, man, beating the living shit out of each other. We had a chop battle back and forth. We had Roosh running from corner to corner, faking out Jay White, hit the fake pump kick before shooting the Tranquilo pose before a commercial break. Jay White took control during the commercial break. It was not long at all. Roosh hit a flying forearm. He went for the three amigos and got a near fall. Roosh took a very long time to 
get up top, and hit a senton. He missed. Top rope senton missed. This leaded to White getting a brain buster for a two-count near fall. Jay White mocked Roosh by doing a bullfighter pose like he had the, the fucking red cape. And that led to another slugfest of chops. Jay White targeted the eyes, thumped to the eye. Roosh hit a pump knee, ran right into a urinage, which looked great from Jay White for a two-count. The urinage on Saturday actually injured MJF's shoulder, so hopefully that is uh, not too bad. Roosh chopped away with a... or he chopped away out of a Blade Runner and hit a snap German. White came back to catch a kick into a dragon screw. White ran into an overhead corner throw. Roosh hit a Superman elbow, wanted bull's horns, but White fired out of it. Looked for the Blade Runner, only to collide with the referee, but it did not. He did not collide with the referee. The referee was still standing. This allowed Jay White to hit a low blow behind the referee's back and then hit the Blade Runner for the victory, and Jay White... The second man tonight to get a victory and earn himself three points in his block. Great stuff. Great stuff. Glad that Roosh is a part of this tournament. Glad that Roosh is a part of the tournament. Awesome stuff. We got footage of Ricky Starks and Big Bill attacking Chris Jericho after the full gear media scrum, slamming him into a production crate and injuring the arm of Chris Jericho. I fully expect Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho to win the AEW Tag Team titles at World's End. We got RJ City and Renee Paquette giving Tony Storm an award like we're at the Oscars. They acted like presenters at the Academy Awards or the Oscars and announced her as the new AEW Women's Champion Timeless Tony Storm. So she's sitting in the crowd and Luther pulls the barricade away and she walks by ringside area and she's walking up the ramp and she acted all surprised. She tripped on her shoe and recovered and kissed the cheeks of Renee and RJ City. Storm then gave an acceptance speech. She said she didn't have anything prepared, but she took out some notes. She thanked Anthony Kahn and the good folks over at Warner Brothers Discovery, especially Jack Warner. So they played her theme music and they were trying to cut her off from mid-speech. She said, cut the music, I'm not done yet. She had a message for all the little Tony Storms out there. Mariah May brings out the women's championship and hands it to Tony Storm. She says, they want her, they want to be her, but it's her spot and they will not take it and they will not make it. She told them to stay in school and maybe learn a trade. So basically, that was kind of something I feel like flown underneath the radar. All the little Tony Storms out there, they want to be her. Mariah May certainly wants to be Tony Storm. And Tony Storm was very ad- uh, adamant about, this is my spot. You will not take it. With Mariah May standing right there. Now, we haven't really seen much of Mariah May. She's just been kind of pandering to Tony Storm in these little doses we gotta, we got to ramp that up. we got to ramp that up. Because right now she's still uh, virtually nobody in this story. Like, who is she? Who is she? So they're really going all in on Tony Storm. You know, uh, I mentioned with Drew on Tuesday on TNT that Tony Storm and Sheeta was probably the weakest match on the entire card on Saturday night. Tony's killing it. Love the gimmick. Love it. 
She plays it so well. And people love it. People are entertained by it. I really wish that they... It, she can do whatever she wants outside the ring. Like, this type of shit I like. But when she's in the ring, tone it down a little bit. Just just a little bit. Yeah, because it, it, it became more like... Uh, it, it was too comedic for me when she's in the ring. Just tone it down a little bit. And if you want to continue doing what you're doing here, the more the better. But when she gets in the ring... Should be about the pro wrestling. Anna Jay, Sky Blue, and Ruby Soho. Another triple threat match here. Sky Blue was also a part of a triple threat match that I thought was great on Saturday night with Julia Hart and Chris Statlander, where Julia Hart won the TBS championship. This one went 10 minutes. You can clearly see that AEW is high on Sky Blue. Uh, it's not difficult to see why. Sky Blue wins here in about 10 minutes. It's also in Chicago. Sky Blue's from Chicago. Tony Khan did good by giving her a victory in her hometown. We go to commercial break. Jay kicks Soho at ringside and threw her back into the ring. Soho fought back in the ring. Sky Blue leapt off the top rope and took down both with a body press. Sky set up for Code Blue, but Anna Jay counted and slammed her onto the mat. Soho broke up the cover. Blue kicks Soho off the apron. Soho leapt into the arms of Angela Parker. They were there for a little bit. It looked like they were about to kiss. Minard yelled at Parker. Soraya pulled Soho away by the hair and scolded her. Sky Blue at this point pinned Anna Jay in the ring. And then Taz said, where there's love, there's problems. There you go. He is absolutely correct on that. So Excalibur then says that Taz has had different experiences with love than other people. I don't know, man. Taz sounds like he may have gotten uh, a bad seed here and there. I don't know. Sky Blue wins in 10 minutes, but uh, obviously AEW is going in on Sky. Look for her to really uh, get the push. You know, you see it. You're starting to see it more and more. And I do think that Sky Blue, this gimmick is really working, or this this little slight character change is working really well for her, man. I think the fans are digging it, and sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's all you need. Sky Blue's making it work, and she is doing very, very well for herself. Uh, obviously, a lot more to be done, but she gets the win in 10 minutes here over Anna Jay and Ruby Soho. Renee interviewed Wardlow backstage, who was doing some arm curls with some equipment backstage laying around. She asked what he's waiting for since he, he has his eyes set on MJF. Wardlow said, the downfall of the devil will take place on his clock. AR Fox, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, for no reason, comes into frame, told him he sees what he's doing because he used to blame everyone else for his problems. He said he did the same thing regarding Darby. Wardlow says he doesn't need advice from anybody, and he headbutted AR Fox down. I anticipate this match happening on Rampage or Collision on Saturday night. And AR Fox is going to get powerbombed into oblivion. And finally, guys, in the main event, Mark Briscoe versus John Moxley. This was the final match in the Continental Classic for tonight. I was really looking forward to this one, and this one was very very good here between these two. Hard-hitting affair, and we got a overrun. We got an overrun here. It looked like AEW is running short on time, and then we get the five-minute overrun. And this match, honestly, I'm going to be real with you guys, man. I felt like this match could have went a little bit longer. 
I would have I would have easily taken another five minutes. I felt like when they started and even with the over on, I was wanting a little bit more. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like it could have went a little bit longer. They were beating the shit out of each other. Crowd was big time into Briscoe and uh, Moxley. I think the outcome was pretty pretty well determined here. I think the fans uh, are, are going to be in on Moxley in this tournament. And uh, this was a fun main event. They went back and forth right away. Briscoe firing off some kung fu, redneck kung fu, leading to a drop kick through the ropes. Blockbuster off the airplane, which looked nasty on Moxley. Moxley avoided a froggy bow and started a big forearm exchange and then booted Briscoe off the apron to the floor. We go into picture and picture. Moxley busted Briscoe open during the break, so there is blood here. Go figure during a Moxley match. And he had big punches that led to a pile driver and a near fall. Briscoe battled back with an enziguri, a thrust chop to the throat before firing up. He ran wild. Moxley exploded out of the corner. Ran into an overhead Briscoe throw. Moxley countered a neck breaker into a choke. Transitioned into an arm breaker. Briscoe got to the ropes. Moxley cut off Briscoe on the ropes. Briscoe started biting Moxley. Dove right into a paradigm shift. Briscoe no-sold that into a drop kick for a double down. I love the fact that the announcer said the adrenaline of being in the tournament got to Briscoe right at that moment after the paradigm shift, and he delivered that drop kick no-selling it. Briscoe connected on a rolling Death Valley driver. Beautiful froggy bow off the top for a two count. Briscoe charged at Moxley with a lariat. Or, uh, yeah, charged at Moxley with a lariat. Wanted a J-driller, but Moxley hit a King Kong lariat of his own before hitting the Death Rider. But Briscoe kicked out. Crowd was big time into the big false finish. Briscoe kicked off the ropes in a choke for a near fall. Moxley hit a half and half. Briscoe rolled to his feet into a forearm. Moxley cut him off. Curb stomp, a death rider. One, two, three. Excellent main event. Like I said, I wish it would have went just a little bit longer, but we did get that overrun, and John Moxley gets the victory. He earns himself three points. Swerve, Jay White, and John Moxley earn three points tonight in the Continental Classic Gold League standings. Jay Lethal, Roosh, and Mark Briscoe. Zero points for their block. Rampage and Collision will be airing on Saturday, head-to-head with Survivor Series. I will not be covering Rampage or Collision on Saturday night. It's just all about Survivor Series. I will catch up with those shows on Sunday morning, though, because I do want to keep up to date with the tournament. Daniel Garcia versus Claudio in a Continental Classic Blue League, and Eddie Kingston versus Brody King in a Continental Classic Blue League will be taking place on Collision. Excellent show tonight. I thought Dynamite was very, very good. Very laser-focused. And I laugh at everybody that says, Oh, well, AEW doesn't have stories, man. Sure thing. Sure thing. Sit in your sweat-infested fucking chair with your crumb, Dorito crumb keyboard and browse Reddit complaining about us content creators and how JD doesn't know anything and he's an incel and he's a virgin and uh, he smells and uh, Ariana Grace cut a promo on JD from New York last night on NXT. Go fuck yourself. My biggest fans are my haters, bro. Seriously, my biggest fans are my haters. Great. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Appreciate you. 
Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Go check out all the other content on the channel. There's plenty of it. More coming this week, man. We are looking at a busy week, even with the holiday, man. Survivor Series on Saturday. Hit that thumbs up. I'd love 800 likes. Can we get 800 likes for the live stream chat? Super chats are open. Get them on in. Hang out at the end of the show, which is right now. We're going to get into what we call last call here at the venue. Memberships are open. Get them on in. And once again, guys, tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Magic Minds. I know you guys struggle with productivity, man. I really, I really struggle myself with productivity, man. Content creation's tough. Sitting here, prepping for the show, taking the notes, man. You'd think that my mind is jello after a show like this, right? It's tough, man. But there's a lot of prep that goes into what I do, man. Lately, this week, my productivity's been up. Getting content out. I got videos coming out for the second channel. We're doing the streams better than anybody. Magic Mind is what's keeping my mind focused. MagicMind.com slash JD from NY. Use my code JDNY at checkout to save up to 56% off your first subscription. That's for the next 10 days. Excellent. Get into the Super Chats, guys. Loving the energy tonight. P.W. Shaw, the meat father, with 33 months in the OTS venue. He's got that golden microphone. Looks good on you, brother. Really fun show. Keep up the great work. OTS for life. Thank you, man. The Cake with a $2 Super Chat. I need CM Punk chance if the devil is Jack Perry. Well, if you're the IWC, you think CM Punk is showing up because he's answering Nakamura's open challenge. See, uh, Susan D'Ambrosio with a 25 months. I just wanted to say that I'm so very thankful for my OTS family. Have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving, JD and Jesse. Thank you, Susan. Thank you very much, Susan. Joseph Taylor with a $3 Super Chat. Jay Wyatt Roosh stole the show tonight. Well, Moxley and Briscoe was great, too. Golden Boy with a $5 Super Chat. JD and Jesse, first off, happy Thanksgiving to you guys and your families. And since Adam was in the ring, when the devil came on, who you think, TK, Britt, or Jungle Boy? None of them. None of them. Phil with a 9.99. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. What an amazing episode. The AW Continental Classic Tournament was in full swing and stories progressed. Who knew? Hope you're doing well, bro. Stay safe. Thank you, Phil. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. Mike Lee with eight months. Hey, JD, I think that Roddy is the devil, but the devil behind the devil is Adam Cole, baby. Listen, I would, t- I would take that. I would be okay with that. As long as Adam Cole is a part of the devil. Nickname my thank you again, brother, for the 100 in Super Chat and the new membership. What the fuck are you drinking, brother? 
Sebastian with a 1399. Hey, JD, love your show and what you do. Coming to New York on December 16th and going to propose to my girlfriend. Hope we can catch a beer with you while we are there. Keep it up. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, Sebastian, but I think I will probably be in Florida around that time. I got some family business to take care of. But I appreciate you, brother, and congratulations to you, man. New York is a great place to do that. M. James 2000 with a $5 super chat. If LA Knight stayed as Max Dupree, do you think he would have been released by now? If that happened, would you see Knight as a good fit for AEW? I couldn't see it. Uh, yes, he would have been released, and uh, he'd probably end up in AEW. As Eli Drake, for sure. Black Wolf, Inc. with a $5 super chat. I got to tell you, JD, I'm tired of all the championships in AEW. Are you really, bro? Because I know I am. Only one segment tonight did not involve a belt and only one non-championship matchup. Come on. AEW's got too many titles, brother. What do you want me to tell you? Jason, again, thank you, brother, for the $100 Super Chat. Really appreciate you, man. D. Bastardo with a $5 Super Chat. JD, your passion wakes up those who feel dead inside. When you are left on this earth without parents, it's a weird feeling, brother. You know, that's got, listen, brother, I don't, I don't know how you feel, but at the same time, at the same time, I actually do know how you feel. You see, you know, this Thanksgiving is... I'm not a big holiday guy. I'm not. I hate the holidays. For some reason, the holidays make me feel sadder. It's like everybody, everybody's got this hallmark vision of what the holidays really should be. It's love and fucking mistletoes and sitting around Thanksgiving and... Giving thanks. Like, I don't need a day because it's on the calendar to give thanks. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful that you guys are still with me after all these years. I'm thankful that we've grown and produced a show that, believe it or not, whether they like to admit it or not, is very influential in this space. Whether you like me or not, it's a moot point. We do what we do here, and there are eyes on what we do here because we're legit. And we got the numbers to back it up. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for you guys because you make that possible. Without you, I'm nothing. I won't be here. Holidays don't hit the same way for me anymore. You know, it's, uh, it's, very, it's very sad. You know, my mother is basically dead to me, honestly. She's alive. Barely kicking, but she's dead to me because I haven't seen her in two years. I'll be seeing her for the first time in two years, you know, this year. It sucks. It's awful. She's got an alcohol problem, and she's slowly killing herself. My dad, my dad's a junkie. My dad is not a good human being. He cannot take blame and find out that he is in the wrong on most situations. He looks to point the finger of blame on everybody. I don't have a family. 
My parents are basically dead to me, just like Bastardo is feeling sad this holiday season that his parents are not around. And God bless Bastardo because he told he told us yesterday that his mother just recently passed away. Sucks. My dad's in a fucking jail right now. He's in prison because he put his hands on my mom. And he was on probation and then got caught again being at home when he wasn't supposed to be at home. And he got caught. And now he's back in jail until after Thanksgiving. So he's spending Thanksgiving in jail. That's my family. So now you know why I don't like the holidays. If there's one thing that I am thankful for, I'm thankful that I'm not like him. And I'm thankful that I'm not like my mother. I'm thankful that I have you guys and I got my head on straight and I don't abuse those vices, succumb to those demons. So when you're sitting around your family this holiday season, be thankful that you have a family. Because I got to go through these fucking holidays and I don't got anybody. I don't. So it is what it is. Joseph Taylor. $2 Super Chat. J.D., are you a fan of Kill Switch Engage? Yes, I am. They're older stuff. Tom Wapo with five months. J.D., I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. Tony Khan is crazy running Rampage and Collision up against Survivor Series with a returning Orton. Nobody's watching Collision or Rampage, bro. I'm going to watch it on Sunday. Edward Liu with 27 months. Christian Cage is doing the best heel work of his career. He is a national treasure and the father of the year to all of us. Great job, as always. J.D., thank you, Edward. Guys, I'm about to get out of here and prep myself for tomorrow, man. We've got some content going up tomorrow, and I really appreciate you guys stopping by tonight. Paying a visit to the beautiful OTS venue. Hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. Enjoy it. Enjoy a fine cold beverage if you indulge in that type of thing. It doesn't have to be an adult beverage, but if it's an adult beverage, I hope that it is a good one. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Rage with a 999. Happy Thanksgiving, JD. My husband hates the holidays and you. He thinks you're a sexist. How do I change that? What can you tell him? Your husband thinks I'm a sexist. Can't be a sexist, Rage. I love women and appreciate and respect women. I think your husband needs to... uh, Take it down a notch or five. Joey Clemenza with a $10 super jet. I hear you, JD. We fucking love you, man. Thank you for OTS. I'm actually thankful for OTS. You have given us a place where we can be a family around here loving wrestling. Thank you, Joey. Appreciate you, brother. Follow me on social media, guys. At JD from MY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go and check out all the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it. And make sure you guys are back here on Saturday night when we are live after the WWE Survivor Series and War Games. Until then, guys, take care. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Enjoy it. And I'll see you guys right back here on Saturday night. From the OTS venue for the Survivor Series War Games. I'll see you guys then.